Hi, everybody. Rainy Robinson here with Savage Words Podcast. Those of you that don't know me, I was lucky enough to be on Dog and Beth on the Hunt and co-starred in Dogs Most Wanted on WGNA. I am a criminal information specialist. I have a degree in uh, criminal justice and also a couple degrees in business. Business psychology is one of them. I have a very, very sweet, a special guest tonight. Uh, we are going to keep her uh, anonymous. I don't want to show her face and we're not going to say her name. And the reason is, is because uh, there is ongoing litigation and, uh, and not just that, but uh, just for privacy concerns. She's here to tell us her story. Uh, she was in the October 1st, 2017 Mandalay Bay shooting uh, that was the Harvest Festival. And this is where Stephen Paddock uh, was up on the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Bay and fired into the crowd uh, with Jason Aldean uh, as he was singing. And so I'm going to introduce you now to her. Hi, sweetheart. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Very good. Thank you. I want to just really thank you so much for um, for taking the time out. I know that this is still an incredibly painful journey for you. And I'm really honored. I'm honored that you would take the time to do this. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, it speaks volumes for, uh, you know, for victims of all sorts of crimes. And this is a unique, uh, a unique situation in that, you know, you were really under uh, sniper fire. So I want to, uh, if you want to just take a couple of minutes and kind of explain to everybody, uh, you know, a little bit of background, kind of who you are and that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, I've lived in um, the Las Vegas area for, gosh, most of my life, um, for 30 some odd years. Um, and I've worked around here forever. Um, I have a great family, um, great support system. Um, I love animals <laughs> and uh, Rainy, you've been great, um, great person to talk to. And um, I'm really happy to share my story. I hope it, you know, helps somebody else um, going through, you know, maybe not something similar, but maybe somebody with, you know, PTSD. And um, I really wish I could show my face and, you know, give my name and whatnot. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, I can't at this point. Um, and Rainy knows I'm, I'm, I'm a be outspoken person, so this is going to me not to tell you who I am. So. Exactly. And I do want to, you know, warn this is, um, uh, this, uh, I have a very nice relationship with her. And her and I see eye to eye on a lot of things. And our paths actually crossed in a completely different way. Um, then it was later that I learned, uh, you know, what, and if you would ask me if, uh, you know, I knew that her story was her story. I would have never believed it in a million years. Uh, so I do want to warn you that um, she is a frank speaker, and so am I. And <laughs> so if you're offended by any of that, you can, you know, turn the volume down, tune out, or whatever you'd like. But this is her story, and I want to make sure that she tells it in a way that um, makes sense to her. So what brought you to that venue on that particular um, evening? 
So we were actually <clears throat> celebrating a birthday um, and one of my good friends, you know, typically um, this happened on a Sunday evening. Um, typically I, I wouldn't, you know, go out on a Sunday evening. I have a pretty, um, you know, serious job to where I have to be up and, you know, be alert and, you know, you can't really go out drinking the night before, but I figured this is a once once in a lifetime opportunity um, because you know the wristbands were so expensive. Um, so when my friend called me, um, you know, I of course I jumped at the opportunity, and um, it was probably up until uh, I want to say five o'clock that day. We really weren't too sure if we were even going to go or not. So you know, it's kind of like like girls do, getting ready throughout the day. Uh, trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to wear and um, going back and forth. And then finally we decided, you know, at, I want to say it was like 5.30 that, hey, you know what, we're going to do this. Let's go. Um, so we had um, somebody drop us off and because, um, you know, of course we we're going to be drinking and um, <clears throat> We, you know, the funny thing is, is that I remember as we're coming off of the freeway, I remember passing the Mandalay Bay and thinking in my head, you know what, that's, that's one of my favorite hotels. Like I, I've always had really good experiences there, you know, just going out and having fun living in the Vegas area for so long. Um, a lot of really good memories there. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember thinking that in my head and I wanted to say it out loud, but I didn't first, I don't know what what reason um anyway so um our friend's um fiance dropped us off alongside of the venue and um we jumped out of the car and we actually um walked to the ampm to get a couple road sodas because you know it's hot in vegas and you that's, can't be parched so right. that's right <laughs> we got a couple road sodas and um proceeded to walk in and we went in through gate um, 4A and uh, I remember, you know, walking in and it was like a carnival-like atmosphere. You could smell like all of the good food, all the fried stuff you're not supposed to eat, but you do it anyways. And my understanding is it, it was a, it's like a 15 acre parcel, right? It's like, yes. a, yeah, 15 acre. And, it, and there's no, there's no buildings on that. It's just like kind of like a blank it's like, yeah it's it's a parking lot and pretty yeah. much what they did was they threw down like astroturf in some areas hmm. and then um you know they had the main stage they had a couple vip areas that were just tented off like with mm -hmm. you know typical like wedding tent looking things and there were also bleachers um so there was a general admission um you know wristband and then there were also vip bands which that's what we had. So we were oh. able to go in and out of um, the tented areas, gotcha. you know, where they had like, um, you can get free drinks and stuff like that. Gotcha. And you were uh, located towards um, pretty close to the, uh, to the stage, correct? Yeah, towards the, um, the right-hand side of the stage. And that was just, because like I said, we were hanging out in one of the VIP tents. And I don't know if it's just like a country music thing, but, or if it was just that night, everybody was like super friendly and, you know, really outgoing. And everyone was just having such a good time coming yeah. down from, you know, 
three or because the concert went on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Right, so right, right. people are coming off of, you know, that high of having a yeah. really good time. So um, we were just kind of like bopping around. And um, during this particular point in the night, we decided last minute to head up towards the front of the stage. Um, so we left the tent that we were in, which was on the far right hand side of the stage and right. then walked, walked up. And so people have like a visual of where it is. So the stage was in the front. You're, if you looked at the stage, you were to the right. And then the Mandalay Bay sits right behind that. So it's across the Correct. street right behind. Yeah. So like kitty, kitty corner. Yeah. Almost, almost like at an angle. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, so. Jason Aldean, I'm assuming, was the last act, correct? Because it was like correct, yeah. right around 10 o'clock. And so at so when did you realize something was happening? Um, you know, it probably, uh, to be honest, um, in these types or in this type of situation, which I obviously have never been in, um, seconds feel like hours yes and um minutes seem like you know days right. and mm -hmm. so for me um realistically it was probably like 30 seconds but it seemed like you know five minutes yes yes and did you at any point like how did you come to realize it was like gunfire how did you, I, I know that um, a lot of people don't know, but you have actually a background uh, uh, in, you know, you fire weapons. That's where and I was like, yeah. wait a minute. And so how did you, how did you come to realize? Uh, I would say, I remember hearing uh, like the first two shots and I thought, oh, well, you know, it's towards the end, probably fireworks. I remember looking up at um, the performer, Jason Aldean, and he wasn't panicked or anything, you know, he wasn't, nobody was giving off any type of signals, like something right. was wrong that like you would normally see, you know, right. was shooting, like, you know, it's not, there's not normally like a mass situation like this. Um, normally you can identify, <clears throat> you know, quickly, but um I remember looking up at him, he wasn't reacting. I remember looking around at other people, they weren't reacting. And I remember looking up at the sky and I'm like, well, there's no fireworks, that's kind of weird. Yeah. And then um, I think there was like two more shots and then I was like, I could smell it. I could smell, um, it smelled like, yeah, like gunfire, like yeah. gunpowder. And I thought, holy shit, we're, we're in serious trouble. This is not good, you right. know? And at that point, you still didn't kind of know what direction it was coming in, but you knew, like in that in that instant, that you know that two seconds that seems like two days, in that you put the two and two together, you know, because you had that background of what that even, you know, smelled like at all. And um, I know that, you know, there were people that were very close to you that actually perished, correct? Correct, yeah, and there were um, people, like I said, you know, everyone was really friendly that night and really happy just to be there. And so we made fast friends, like with a group um, of people and um, four of those people were actually, you know, they sustained serious injuries. 
um, along with, you know, myself, I, I was injured um, and uh, quite a few people around us were, I mean, visibly, um, you know, no longer with us or um, they, you know, probably were not going to make it out, out of there. You know, and that, and the, we had spoken earlier, we were trying to figure out, uh, you, you estimate there was around 20,000 people that were at that venue or there could have been tickets sold. 22, yeah, is what they say. And that is like a massive amount of people. And, you know, like the statistics were 58 people perished, uh, perished, well, 50 something perished there. And I think two or three perished a couple days later in the hospital and then one more uh, perished in 2019 and then another mm-hmm. one just perished September 2020 in San Bernardino County and I know that Las Vegas didn't want to include them in the count but the coroners actually ruled that it was a direct result of that uh, of that event uh, that led up to their death and so 61 people entirely and that's including Stephen Paddock who was the and I hate putting him in the same group as that because he took his own life um but the other thing was is that there was eight how much was 867 people 411 were injured by gunfire and then the remainder of 867 who's trying to get out of the venue I'm sure it was trying to get out of the venue yeah The beautiful thing, um, one of the highlights, if there could be a highlight, I suppose, is just your tenacity and your willingness to not only see like what was going on around you and really like even putting aside your own very serious injuries, um, you actually got somebody in to a wheelbarrow and push them out so they could get medical attention. Is that correct? Yeah, there um, s- several people, a lot of people were helping that night, which, you know, really restored because, I mean, uh, that's like a whole nother subject, but, um, you know, after the gunfire had stopped, um, a lot of people were just trying to get over the fence. They were jumping, people were ripping the fences down, using them as gurneys. Um, there were a series of ambulances set up in the back of the venue where, um, you know, it was just like a just in case. A lot of times in Vegas, people don't understand that the heat is going to kick your ass if you're drinking all day. So most of the time, you know, it's set up for you know, things like that, not me, you know, maybe not as serious. Um, Heart attacks or whatever, you know, fight out, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, So we headed towards um, the back of the venue where we saw the ambulances and whatnot. Um, And a lot of them were unattended um, because a lot of the paramedics were running back into where we just came from trying to, trying to help people, which was, you know, processing that now, um, you know, paramedics, normally they get there after, you know, so to, for a lot of these people to, you know, without even thinking, putting aside what they're necessarily living for to run into, to help somebody out, um, really, um, 
I don't know. It's kind of inspiring to me. And um, I absolutely agree without a doubt, because still at this moment, I still don't think that you knew or not one where the fire was coming. You knew that it was coming from, I think people figured out that it was coming from across the street, maybe not necessarily Mandalay Bay, but you don't know if it's still, if there's going to be a whole other round that's coming. Yeah. A lot of people thought that it was, um, they were saying it was like a terrorist attack. They were saying that there was people shooting, um, you know, from helicopters. There's people saying, I mean, I heard it all when I was there. Heard it all. It it absolutely is a terrorist attack. It's a domestic terrorist attack. I mean, anytime you fire, you know, sniper fire into a, into a crowd of people that are, you know, expecting country music, um, you know, and I, you know, I don't want to talk a lot about this particular guy. People can research him himself. He seems like a, you know, this is not somebody that was very well balanced, but, uh, I, I was surprised at, uh, I was surprised as a lay person how someone could get th- th- that much ammunition and weapons into a hotel undetected. And I was at, because th- uh, from what I read, this actually went on for like three days. So he would go out and bring stuff and then, you know, use the service elevator to get up to his room. And I, I don't necessarily think that any one of those events would, you know, probably, uh, you know, be cause for alarm. But if the guy does it three days in a row, I don't know. Uh, I mean, yeah. You know, and just like when we walk through a an airport, you know, we are all screened for that. I mean, you know, and I know one of the knee jerk responses from the uh, politicians, of course, is to run to legislature and go, let's, you know, let's create a whole bunch of gun laws. You know, and look, look, most criminals don't, don't do this, you know, through normal channels like you and I do. And, uh, you know, so there is some legislation on the bump stock and that's a a bump stock that allows someone to fire uh, rapid succession of uh, bullets. And he did fire a thousand into the into the crowd or I don't even really know how they know. If you, um, if you look into like, you know, um, because I, I, you know, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, I kind of have a different perspective on him, I think, than most people do. Um, and I think it's just part of, you know, who I am, who I am as a person, how, how I've always been, but, you know, this has taken me three years to process. Um, you know, after I did get home, um, which was probably like 4 a.m. in the morning, um, I remember I sat on my couch or laid on my couch in the same clothes, literally for three days. And I just stared at the wall trying to figure out, you know, what happened, what was going on. I didn't watch the news. Um, I had a relative who, um, was a first responder that night and um that person ended up stopping by to check on me and um you know my husband of course was there with me um in the first three days but um i remember thinking to myself you know the one main question i had in my mind was who did this you know who who would do something like this and um i remember thinking you know 
this person, I mean, his father was on the FBI most wanted list. Like I want to say it was like in the nineties or something. Okay. But, um, beside that, I mean, he had a pretty, you know, normal life, normal Joe blow. Um, you know, and I remember thinking to myself, wow, like I, I really feel terrible in this moment, you know, for a, everything I've gone through, B, the stuff I saw and then C, that somebody would want to harm me, you know, me yeah. as a person, you know, they don't even know me. Um, and then I got to thinking, wow, you know, for somebody to do something like this, the amount of sadness and hurt that they probably were feeling, that they felt the only outlet that they had was to put this on 22,000 other people is says something in itself you know um where where was his family at where where was his support where were his friends you know not putting it on them but just really not you know i don't know if empathy is even the right word but i kind of how does it go undetected like how does all of that go undetected because you know and some of the things that i did read some of the articles that i did read like his his um girlfriend at the time was saying that he was casing places yes and uh, and mandalay bay wasn't the only one it was like other uh, you know other venues and this just kind of like goes to show you you know we walk amongst these people all the time i mean no one expected timothy mcveigh to like load up a truck and then you know drive exactly it and so so the you know the run to legislation over the gun thing it's like well what do you, how, how do you address you know Tim you're not addressing the main problem the main issue the main problem and and that and then we bring into you know some of the things that you know you and i have spoken about like the sheer volume of funds that were donated to this event it was, a, it was the last yes. mass shooting in the united states and uh, I mean, I read some stuff yesterday. There, there's more than one fund. Uh, the federal government gave 16.5 million just to the state of Nevada for psychological uh, help for the victims. California got eight point, I think, 8.6 million for for the California people that were there, and then um, uh, the state of Nevada got, uh, I think it was like 16.5. But that's not the only fund. There were also millions collected. And I believe uh, your governor, who was the commissioner at the time, who's now the governor. <laughs> okay. So tell everybody where, how much money you have received. Um, to date, I've received $150. Um, and that was towards um, a psychiatrist appointment, which ended up costing more. And that didn't include the medicine, um, as far as all of my doctor bills, surgery bills, things like that, um, those are still left, you know, I've paid what I can. Um, my insurance company is actually suing um, the MGM because, you know, I was receiving all these treatments using my insurance because what else was I supposed to do? And they're like, wait a minute, why are you having all this stuff done? They actually called me they sent me a letter you need to explain yourself so you know of course I was honest and I was like hey I was at October 1st this happened and um, they said no you know this is bullshit we shouldn't be having to foot the bill for this obviously because 
there's a ton of money raised, there's state resources, but none of that was put into place. Um, Federal, state, the, and private. I mean, there's, there's, there's probably $100 million or close yeah. that's out there. And it's really disgusting that, you know, the $150 you got, you received, cost you $25 because the appointment was $175. So yeah, and that... And that's just one appointment. Um, you know, in the beginning, I was going three times a week to see this man because I was not doing okay. And, you know, um, then it went to three times a month. Um, but still, that's that's a lot of money, you know, for the average person. I, I have a great job. Um, so does my husband. But I don't know really, really know anybody that can afford that kind of extra money and you know it's hard enough in itself to say to yourself hey dude you need to go get help um but now you need to come up with all of this extra money three times a week to go see somebody to help you um you're gonna have to be late on your car payment or you're going to have to not eat what you would normally have to eat because right. you're a victim of circumstance oh, and that's it, shitty, you know? I mean, you know, I just, I'm, I'm just, I'm so saddened that with the amount of, of revenue that's been generated over this very thing where, you know, people like from all across the world actually gave money for this very thing. And, you know, PTSD is a very real thing. And I'm positive that there are times that, you know, there you have triggers. And this is, this is still three years fresh. And, you know, when you look at, um, you know, the parts of your body that have been damaged, uh, that's still an, a reminder and it's a trigger and it's a this and it's a that. And how do we ever make you and everyone else whole? I don't know that, the, that it's possible, but what I do know is that the money that has been given really should have been dispersed post haste. Yeah, I agree. You know, not sitting in a fund somewhere, you know, or like disperse this to the people. And maybe we should just, you know, somebody's got to oversee this. If it's a foundation or if it's a nonprofit, uh, they post the uh, tax returns. They have to. And uh, if that is, you know, we should probably get to the bottom of who's controlling it, where is it, and what hoops do you have to jump through to get it? Because, uh, you know, it's... Uh, it's an ongoing thing. One of the real unusual things that uh, I was so offended by was mm -hmm. in 2000, November 2017, uh, the victims actually filed suit against the MGM resorts, which is very common. So it's like when you have a lot of victims, they all kind of group together and then we're just going to do this one thing. And it wasn't until uh, July of 2018 where they came back and sued the victims. And right, yeah. I understand, you know, why it is they do that. You know, they're pro probably trying to stall or, uh, you know, whatever the tactic was. I, I, you know, I'm, you know, this is a multi-million dollar, hundreds of million dollar event. And uh, I understand, but how how um, insulting all of that is. And 
my understanding is you guys are still struggling. And I know that the judge just approved on September 30th, they approved 800 million uh, to be uh, dispersed, uh, you know, to the victims that uh, survived. But, Correct. Uh, you know, who knows when that's actually going to, you know, happen. And in this whole time, you could have uh, had appropriate medical care, appropriate emotional care and support uh, going through. And it's just a tragedy, a tragedy that this amount of funds were collected and they left you guys holding the bag. Yeah, it's, yeah, that, you know what, um, after the first time um, being sued even, I just kind of was like, what, you know, really? How is this even possible? I haven't even filed anything. It, that thought hadn't even crossed my mind, you know? Um, and it's like, yeah, of course, quite a few months had passed, but still, you know, you're, 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 tre you're treading water, you're treading water, and you're just trying to keep your head above the water. And, you know, sometimes you are able to get through it. Other times you just want to drown. Oh, yeah. And, survival. you know, you know. So yeah, and then, then you get hit with this, and and I remember thinking, wow, you know, um, okay, well, what do I do? And then on top of that, I'm kind of shit in my pants because this is the M the MGM. They are worldwide international company with hundreds of millions of dollars, and they're suing, and they're suing little old me. So about, I think it was the second time after I was sued because they dropped the first one because, you know, bad PR for them. The second time was when I was like, you know what? I, I'm done playing games with these guys. Like I, I'm over it. I'm going to go get, I'm going to go get lawyers. Um, to which I did. Um, and they've been helpful. Uh, but still, you know, this is, you're having to pay for no matter what I, I was going to have to sue them. Um, Right. Or, or come back and try to defend myself in some, some type of way, you know, um, because you just can't sit back and, and let somebody poke the bear for so long. Um, so, you know, really it's, it's, we're going to be paying the lawyers three years of litigation costs. Um, and then I'm going to be lucky to my medical bills are uh, just under $200,000. So, and, 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 what, and what we talked about uh, earlier is that, you know, you are a young woman and this is going to be a lifetime of this. So while, yes, you may get a settlement, uh, you know, you've already, in three years time, it's already cost 200000 So Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. you know, 90% of it's going to go to the doctor, doctor bills, and then um, also lawyers, and then whatever is left, I mean, which probably won't be very much like, and you know, I've continued to work throughout this entire right. situation because I have to, you know, that's what you do. Um, and, and I think that, you know, there could be a part of that too, that kind of like, kind of keeps things kind of normal for you. You know, you know, you are good at what you do and all of that. And I think that that kind of like, kind of, you know, one of the other things that I wanted to address is that uh, you've forged some very um, emotional and very important relationships out of this whole entire tragedy. 
Yeah, um, I actually, um, it's, it's a weird thing to bond over and, you know, probably at first sight, people would think, well, why would you want to be, you know, friends with people who've, it just kind of seems like maybe you're dredging up the past or whatever, but, um, you know, it's, I've had, I've made, let's see, four friends I would, you know, consider my family, um, two of which, you know, attended my wedding, um, we go to each other's, you know, any important life event, we're there um, when we need emotional support, we talk to one another, um, you know, it's, it's just like a weird special bond that really no one can break and it's kind of hard to understand, but. Um, Those are trauma bonds. And when you are, when people go through similar types of situations, you, there's many things that you don't have to say to that person, they get it, they understand. Yeah. Very see. true. Yeah. And I, like you have that one common thing. And, you know, if there are any uh, silver linings, that is definitely one of them. And I'm so happy that you actually have that kind of a support system because I think that all of you probably went through the same thing emotionally, you know, some more than others. You know, the, the age range of victims was uh, that perished was between 20 and 67 and that's a big span and yeah you imagine you know that many people at a venue and then bring in their families and then bring in all the friends and so it has a ripple and their children you and know a lot a lot yeah. of people that that passed away they have um kids you know and um like each year we do a um a christmas drive where it's the you know a group of survivors um we get together we raise money we get christmas presents um the surviving parent or whoever is you know their guardian puts together a wish list and then we um you know if it's locally we drop them off locally if it's not we find a survivor in their area and they deliver the presents um we do cards each year there's a lot of different things that we do um to kind of support them you know but it's just an acknowledgement that you know you're not forgotten your event was real i love that and and then just the whole act of giving itself and you know you've been uh you were recognized uh, as not only a victim, but as a hero as well. And, you know, you continue to champion, you know, this significant event that, you know, really forever changed your life. And, you know, what would you say to anyone? Um, what would you like everyone to know? Um, I would say um, that probably I would want everyone to know that, um, you know, your, like your feelings, like no matter what, like if it's, if it's a traumatic experience or, cause I think everybody's had a traumatic experience in their life, you know? Um, and to us, it may seem like it's small, but to them, the magnitude of it is huge. So. I think I lost you. So somebody could have gone through something upside down. Um, I just think it's in it with them, listen to them. Um, that's important. Um, and, you know, just to, just to be kind to other people. I mean, this is a crazy ass world that we're living in right now. And I think we're, you know, we're really lacking that. I think we always have been, but, you know, just try to be kind, look out for your friends and, um, 
She tried to be a good person day yeah. in and day out. And stand up and speak and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to stand up and speak. I mean, there's a real fine line between being a victim and a victor. And it really has to do with the power that you possess. And, you know, this was an, uh, a circumstance and now a club that you never signed up for yet you belong. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, um, and, but through that is power. And that power can be handed off to other people that aren't um, as either capable or, you know, damaged. And, you know, for yourself, you know, it was a process. I mean, you spent three days on the couch staring at the wall, trying to figure out what you had just actually been through. And yes. so, you know, now, you know, having, you know, such a powerful um, voice in it. And, you know, I, I know that everyone that is listening and especially myself know that this is, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be just fine. You are going to be fine. It is going to be, you know, relatively over for you. I hope we get pushed past this one part, part, the litigation part. And it looks like that that's going to be, you know, settled re relatively quickly, probably in the next year or so. Uh, I want um, to thank everybody for listening. Uh, I know that there will be a time that we will reveal her. Uh, uh, you know, stay tuned because we can do updates uh, with her too. And so I really want to thank you, love, for your time and your energy and, you know, for really sharing this really painful story. You know, what started out as something super fun, you know, ended up... Uh, you know, being a major trauma, but you will overcome. I know. Of course. Thank you. And I love you, Rainy. You seriously, you're the best. You do so many wonderful things for people. And I'm really thankful for, you know, for our friendship. Um, I really, I appreciate you and probably more than you know. And um, thank you to everyone for listening. And hopefully I can give, you know, a positive update um, soon here, but I'm probably going to, you know, poke the hornet's nest a little bit and try to figure out what happened with all that money. Listen, I listen, I'll stand right with you. Let's I see. know you will. <laughs> we can piss off. <laughs> you know, it works for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Let's get some answers. All right, love. Thank you so much. Thank you.